0: Hi, this is Erica Potter.
1: And this is Hunter Willis.
0: And this is Hot Girl Briefing.
1: Hi, Erica. Hey, Hunter. What are we going to be talking about this week?
0: We're talking about rules-based order.
1: Yes, the rules-based order for international society.
0: Can you go a little bit into that? Because I feel like that might be a little bit of a vague topic.
1: Yes, it's completely vague vague way to talk about it. So essentially what a rules-based order is that there are rules in the international system that everybody complies to. You know, it's something like waving a white flag. You know, you don't shoot at somebody that's waving a white flag. They're actively surrendering. You don't shoot at them. So
0: is this like written down somewhere? Is it kind of like the shopping cart rule where you're like supposed to take it back, but...
1: I would say it's more in stone than the shopping cart rule, but it's... You know, it's written down through, like, Geneva Conventions. Uh You know, there's things like, don't shoot at Red Cross members. If you see someone actively having the Red Cross sign on them, they're a medic. You don't shoot at medics in war. Things like that. That, you know, those have been codified in Geneva Conventions and various treaties.
0: But we know not everybody always follows the rules.
1: Yes. So this is kind of where we're talking about what happens when people don't follow the rules. So I guess we can just jump right on into it. So Erica, you want to talk about our first little example?
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Myanmar incident with the journalist. In regards to like these kinds of situations, I would say we don't really hear about it so much. But Mm -hmm. as of late, especially maybe due to COVID or the pandemic or something, We've been seeing it more. That doesn't necessarily mean it's happening more than it used to. It's just being reported more,
1: yes, perhaps. absolutely. Absolutely. So,
0: American journalist Danny Fenster was detained trying to board a flight from Myanmar's Yangon International Airport. He's an advocate and journalist for Myanmar's persecution of certain groups. For example, the Rohingya, and I apologize if I mispronounce that, Mus- Muslims. You got it. And he's actually been, he was living in Myanmar okay. for, you know, a couple years. And so he was trying to board a flight home. I believe he was actually on his way home to visit his family, which right here in Michigan. And he oh, was, no yeah, I think gross point. I knew a friend who like knew him. That's it was crazy. crazy. It was crazy. Um, and that's how, how I first saw it. I saw an Instagram post and I was like, what's this? And we'd already been talking about this episode too, which is like the wildest thing to me. So he was taken to one of the highest secured prisons in Myanmar, which is insane prison, which (laughs) the name, not that it's funny, but like a little fitting.
1: So you don't want to be locked up abroad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do not want to be locked abroad, especially in one of the highest secure prisons of a different country.
1: Yeah, that would be horrifying. I'd be calling the embassy every single day.
0: Yeah, if they let you.
1: That's true.
0: Like Myanmar has been... A little politically rocky as of late. And by late, I mean several years at least, Mm -hmm. if not more. And so he was taken to this super secure prison. And they haven't really discussed why he was taken there. But it does house a lot of political prisoners. And it has a really big reputation for mistreating their prisoners. And mind you, this kid's like mid-20s. So he's, He's, like, our age. Yeah, he's our age, and he's being taken to this, like, prison where there's
1: just... Murderers. Yeah,
0: imagine, like, Alcatraz, but for Myanmar. Okay. So, ever since the military coup took over in Myanmar, they've really cracked down on journalists. And, I mean, they're so brave for living in these countries and reporting on injustices they see. Mm -hmm. Like, think about that time of the South... Or North Korean guy who was... Fraternity guy who got arrested for taking a poster from a yeah, hotel. Yeah, he took a
1: poster. It's like you
0: might not even know you're breaking a rule just because it might be okay in America. It doesn't necessarily mean it's okay in countries like Myanmar. Mm-hmm. But so they've really cracked down. And when they seized power in February 2021 and overthrew their democratically elected sovereign, if I was in a country where a military coup like overthrew the democratic elected Sovereign, you would catch me in an airport the next day getting I, out. I wouldn't of there. even wait
1: till the next day. I'd go Literally. home, pack up. I whatever I, you know, I'd get my Uber. The value stop. Don't even bring up the Uber. <laughs> Just kidding. It's only Lyft.
0: Only Lyft. <laughs> only Lyft. That's
1: a bit of a that's a bit of a model UN story we'll have to save for later.
0: So yeah, we'll have to definitely talk about it. We'll have to go in. But so he was taken prisoner uh a few months ago and He's, there's still no information. There's really. no more news on it. There's no information about his condition, the reason for his detainment. He hasn't been able to get in contact with anybody from the embassy. His family hasn't been able to get in contact with him. He has basically been cut off from the world. So See,
1: and this is one of those situations of where with the rules-based order, this citizen of the United States would at least be allowed to have contact with the U.S. embassy. This goes against the rules-based order. Your citizen always has a right to contact your embassy in whatever foreign country they're in. That is what the rules-based order says. You I mean, I one, think
0: a military coup who
1: <laughs> I mean, overthrew
0: their democratically elected sovereign doesn't really care too much about... Yes,
1: but that's what you're saying, though. The military coup, they the military is not abiding by the rules-based order. Yeah, they're in direct violation of the Geneva Convention. Absolutely. So that's why when it comes to interacting with these people, you know, sometimes it would almost want to pay off to not engage in a rules-based systematic approach to engage with them. But if you start going against the rules-based order just because somebody else did, then it further erodes that group decision that this is what we're going to abide by. These are the rules that we're going to respect. Because at that point, you know, the world system, it is anarchy. And it's just going to further itself into anarchy and bring itself out of that, you know, more stabilized rules order that we see,
0: yeah. Unfortunately, due to the coup, we're just seeing so much unrest. So, I think the likelihood that you would they would even want to follow the rules, let alone answer to anything, is just, I think, frankly, out of the question. It's been compared to the likeness, like I mentioned, of that American tourist detained in North Korea. We saw the same thing happen that's happening to Danny, he was detained. Uh, not given a reason why for months and weeks he was abused and tortured in the North Korean prison and he ended up coming home, I believe, after over a year and he ultimately died due to injuries sustained that, in his imprisonment.
1: That's so scary to think about.
0: Yeah, he was like 21. He was mm. in college on spring break. I mean, yeah. not victim blaming. Just I wouldn't go to North Korea for spring break. That's my personal choice.
1: Let's not vacation to North Korea. Yeah,
0: don't vacation in any country that may be seeing politically unrest. Um, I mean, Danny, what he was doing was so brave. I think it's so important what our journalists are out here doing, and mm-hmm. it's sad when our rules from the Geneva Convention aren't respected. But
1: unfortunately, yet- these are what this is what's happening.
0: Not only do we have Danny there too. But mm-hmm. we also have another U.S. journalist that was arrested in March, a few weeks before Danny. And his name's Nathan Mowing. I Definitely Nathan mispronounced. Mowing. Yeah, definitely mispronounced his name. But his, he's actually been able to get in contact with his family. He's actually been able to talk about his conditions. And he has he's in the same prison, just as Danny. Same situation. Myanmar arrested. Mm. And he has um, reported that he's getting abused and tortured while there. The CPJ has called on the release of the American journalists, but again, we're not getting any answers from them.
1: Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's horrifying, just seeing as though these American citizens are being held in this prison and nothing is being done about it from the outside looks of it.
0: Yeah, no. And I mean, there's more examples out there. Like, Hunter, don't you have?
1: Yeah. So, for example, just another, you know, act going against the rules-based order was Belarus and Ryanair. Once again, another dissident journalist, which, you know, seems to be politicians' favorite people to crack down on in, in authoritarian societies. Um, so Ryanair flight 4978 received warning from air traffic controllers about a potential security risk on board minutes before entering Lithuanian air. And they ended up coming back to Belarus and landing at the Minsk airport. So... It ended up there was no security threat. Classic. You know, but Roman Protasevich was the opposition activist actively going against the Belarus president. And this is a big no-no in Belarus. Alexander Lukashenko, he does not want anybody going up against him. There were recently elections held. The elections were... Saying that there was a new president that was to be elected, however Lukashenko said no, nope, and he called them fake and just did not acknowledge them. Which it sounds a little familiar.
0: That I was gonna say it sounds a little
1: it sounds a little familiar. Familiar. Um, familiar. So this is something that you can't do because turns out it leads to an authoritarian society, just like Belarus. Belarus is essentially the last European dictator that's left standing within Alexander Lukashenko. And so essentially, Ryanair has deemed this as state-sponsored hijacking of a Ryanair flight because over, commercial flights going over different countries are not to be taken down due to political reasons. If there is a true safety risk on board, then yes, that's one thing. However, to have a fake safety risk on board and then get escorted by a fighter jet down, just like it was done in Belarus minutes moments before entering another country's airspace, which really... It took the flight longer to get to the Minsk Airport than it would have to get to its final destination in Lithuania. So Sounds really if there was sketchy. So really if there was a security risk, it would have been smarter to land at the final destination
0: for the flight. Obviously Belarus is not playing by the rules, but I feel like if you're gonna call down a plane for a potential security threat, I would be up there being like, Do you have probable cause? Give a warrant. Like, pull on a full law order. Well, that's the thing,
1: though. The pilots didn't know. So they were like, okay, clearly there's a security threat here. And they were also guided down, once again, by a fighter jet. So at that point, as a commercial airliner, you don't really have any defenses against a fighter jet. So you kind of just have to go on it. So essentially what happens is the U.S. and the European Council have condemned Belarus for the detainment. As they should. Yes, for the detainment of the journalist, and they also call for Roman's release as well. They want to see this journalist be released. It's the right thing to do just because you have somebody actively reporting against you does not give you any right to go and hold them prisoner just because they're a political enemy. I
0: think it's kind of cool that Bell or that Ryanair chief executive, like called out, you know, what Belarus did.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, European leaders have also instituted sanctions against against Belarus, including a flight ban on Belarus airports and airspace. So, I mean, yes, this kind of does something and it, you know, it impacts Belarus a little bit. But the amount of sanctions going on against Belarus already in the long run, this doesn't really make a big difference. So that's one of the things of when it comes to this rules-based order is... How exactly do you maintain it when these bad actors are going and continuously skirting around all the sanctions and things that you're putting on them in the first place so that they don't continue to go against this rules-based order?
0: I feel I'm, like this sets, like, a really bad precedent, too, because, like, if I was a bad guy, this sounds genius to me. Absolutely. Like, has this ever been done before? I don't think so.
1: Not that I'm aware of. It has not happened anytime time within recent history. Yeah. And so that's the problem with it, is then you start setting bad precedents. And then all of a sudden you see other authoritarian regimes and they say, well, you know, Belarus wasn't punished that badly for it. So if you're the little kid in kindergarten and you go and start stealing everyone's fruit snacks and you don't get in trouble for it, a bunch of the other kids are going to go start stealing fruit snacks too. And then all of a sudden nobody has any fruit snacks of their own because they're all getting stolen. Essentially, this is the rules-based order. You all sit on the little circle mat you sit there at your little ABC station, and you all have your own fruit snacks.
0: I mean, it's just a little difficult because, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying, 100%. But also, I can think to myself, if Belarus is bold enough to do this, and let me guess, the president's out here just being like, um, no, there was a security threat. Absolutely, this was, yes. This Lukashen- was real.
1: Lukashenko denies all of the wrongdoing. Of he says course there was a security does. threat. It just so happens that the dissident journalist was taken off the flight and put into prison along with his girlfriend after the fact.
0: Oh, I hate to be that girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So if Belarus is bold enough to do this, what really, what options are there? I mean, I think they've done everything they can do short of just, like, invading Belarus altogether. And, I mean, that's starting a war. And, like, we've got one journalist and a girlfriend captive does any What country would want to really engage with that, especially when Belarus is playing a very dangerous game? They're not playing by the rules. They're not playing clean. They're not playing fair. I would not, if I was a stable country, I would not want to be but that's engaged the thing. in
1: there. So essentially the country that interacts with Belarus the most is Russia. So, I mean, are we really going to see much change coming on from Russia into Belarus? No. At the same time, Belarusian President Lukashenko... He really does go along with what the Russians say, just because he is a lot closer to Russia. But if Vladimir Putin really put his foot down and said, absolutely not, we are not doing this anymore, you know, Belarus would be in a pretty tough spot. But until we see that happen, we're not going to see much change come from this president.
0: You know what Ryanair needs to do? What? They need to make a TikTok about this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everything you, is
1: solved with a TikTok.
0: No, have you seen their TikTok account? Ryanair has been going off.
1: Ryanair, truly the passenger flights of the world, except for in America.
0: Yeah, they literally are like, like oh, you're no mad that we, they're like you're mad that we don't come to the United States. We do not care. <laughs> it's crazy. They if they made a TikTok about it, we might he- see some headway.
1: Maybe, maybe. Who okay. knows? we can gonna go and see. But then we can also see some other examples, such as North Korea and simply ignoring sanctions. North Korea just doesn't comply with sanctions. There are still reports of fuel coming in by the sea and transferring the fuel at sea.
0: Who's sending it? Russia?
1: See, we don't know exactly who is sending it. But... There's
0: no little love note. Just, here's some fuel from your secret admirer. Love, Vlad.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think they're going to see any of that. But I mean, then again, Russia and Crimea, the illegal annexation of Crimea. That's a giant problem. Has Russia truly been penalized for it? For going against the rules-based order and just going off and just stealing a piece of Ukraine? Their whole justification is that they annexed their people and truly brought them back into the country as it always should have been. And it was just a small little bit of Reuniting a country.
0: Oh, just like the United States and bringing in Hawaii? Listen.
1: <laughs> you're you are like raise a you,
0: You're like, you said it, not me.
1: You said it, not me.
0: Daddy Biden, if you're listening. I mean, with that,
1: though, we can also see the United States has also gone against the rules-based order at times, with engaging in coups throughout Latin America when their preferred political party in the state wasn't winning— I mean, how many times have we seen that there have been socialist parties rising within these Latin American countries, and here they are, they're about to start winning these elections, and then the U.S. just said, you know what I think? I think not, and came in and started supporting a coup in the country instead of letting democracy truly take place, which democracy is, you know, one of the United States' biggest, most founding principles. But when it didn't go their way, the U.S. went out against it. And so that's why it's so important to continuously engage in the rule-based order and go along with the rules that have been put in place. Because once you see superpowers such as Russia and the United States start going against these norms, it really opens the pathway for other countries to go against the norms as well. So you have to hold yourself to that higher standard of accountability because otherwise you're letting everybody else just run rampant. So if you want to be the leader of the system, like the United States is currently, it's really got to step up to the plate and engage in this rules-based order, unless it wants all these other countries to start going against it.
0: I mean, like not even just like setting a precedent of people starting to do that, but also we can see the devastating effects that not following the rules can have on a smaller country. For like example, the United States and Cuba. Like, United States is the, quote-unquote, bigger person in the situation. We know and, all about the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, and they have since established all these sanctions and all these rules because they... United States went against the rules-based order. Cuba was like, um, no, try to hold them accountable and be like, stop mm-hmm. it. And in response to that, United States is like, okay, bye. Like, go... go. And there's, just, like, so many riots right now. I've seen it all over, like, media. They... I can't even go to Cuba. Like, we can't even fly there. If I want to go, I have to get a Mexican passport.
1: That's another thing. You know, we just saw the assassination of the Haitian president. Guess what happens? In a rules-based order, you don't go around assassinating world leaders. You just don't do it. You don't assassinate world leaders. It's just not very nice. No, and that goes for non-state actors as well. I mean, there's some code of respect towards a rules-based order even for non-state actors and you somewhat have to be but then again that's also why you see non-state actors going against the rules-based order so much because it is such a big thing and it really makes an impact on the international society
0: gives me like capitalism exploiting the workers and proletariat vibes what? It's giving, like, exploitation vibes, like, when the bigger people oh, go against yes, the rules based order. I mean, it pretty
1: much, it does exploit the little people, because the big people are expecting all the little people to go and abide by these rules, but then they're switching up the rules for themselves all the time, so of course, they're never, the big people are never going to be able to lose, because they're making the rules up as they go, and if they want it to be this one day, awesome, it's that way. If they wanted to be, like you know, option B the next day, then they go with option B the next day.
0: And they could be profiting from it, making their power and influence even greater.
1: So exactly, exactly. And it's so important to go and abide by these rules-based orders. It It just is.
0: So, like, we've been talking about it in, like, a global sense. Do we see this, like, domestically at all?
1: Domestically, absolutely. So we can see it going on right now with... Voter laws. Voter laws are the best way to go and look at this. So, you see a bunch of Republican held state legislatures going and talking about wanting to go and put in more voter reform laws, and none of the Democrats in those states support them. But the Republicans are doing it anyways without any Democratic support. So, then you bring it up to the national level in the federal Senate and House of Representatives, and you have some members arguing for well, fine, let's just go and get rid of the filibuster and let's just go and implement Democratic party, the Democratic Party-only voter laws and let's just say, you know what? We don't care what the Republican Party has to say. And it's you're getting upset at the Republican state legislatures that are doing this, but then you want to do this on a federal level. I and the thing am is,
0: so against that.
1: It, yes, I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely lean one way, but... You can't just go against what you're trying to say is wrong in the first place, and then do another wrong to right it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't make for a stable. It doesn't make for a stable order, especially in our country with having such deep political divides at this time. You can't go and just make something completely partisan. If you do, it's not going to last. It's just going to get switched over the next time that the other party has control of the chamber. It's so simple. It's just going to get uno-reversed next time. So unless you want to keep on uno-reversing everyone every two to four years, you have to have something that's a mutual agreed-upon solution, such as the mutually agreed-upon rules-based order that we've seen for the last how many years? Ever since the New World Order started after World War
0: II. Party lines aside, the filibuster is one of the greatest American concepts to me. And I would be really upset if they took it away because something about talking uninterrupted and having everyone's attention and continuing to talk and make everyone else wait on me is, I think, purely an American ideal. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm half kidding. Half. But yeah, no, absolutely. You're definitely right. I think voter laws, especially with the 2020 presidential campaign, have been such a hot topic. Like, I don't think... I mean, yeah, they might have come up sometimes, but not nearly to the level that we're seeing.
1: No. I mean, it's the, the last time that it's really been a comprehensive voter reform act was, you know, during the 60s.
0: And we can see, like, similar things like Obamacare. Like, they pushed so hard. like Obama and Biden pushed so hard during Obama's presidency. And then presidency. the next mm-hmm. argument
1: against it was repeal and replace. Yeah. So you're like, essentially... It's just one party going up against each other, and essentially that's what's happening in the world with these examples that we're giving you guys. With Belarus, with North Korea, with the U.S. going and implementing coups, with the journalism in Myanmar. You know, we're seeing these things go against the rules-based order, and we can also see this just on a very domestic context as well. And it's, you know, these rules are starting to be eroded because the bigger people are starting to go more and more against them when it suits them. And the thing is, that doesn't, Lend itself to a stable democracy.
0: Yeah, and I mean looking at an even closer lens, I feel like we can see the same thing with the whole Jeff Bezos and Amazon situation. Like, you know, we're talking about people not following the rules. We have this billionaire getting more and more money by what? What was that? Not paying taxes. It, and yet we can't see Amazon workers getting paid a livable wage. I when I let's get, talk to him. When I I try not to order off Amazon, guys. I really apologize. Um, Please don't cancel me. I'm poor. And so, you know, when I get my Amazon package the same day, I'm like, man, the Amazon delivery driver, he busted his butt. He must be paid amazingly because Jeff Bezos literally just flew into space for fun, for funsies, just like, I'm going to go to space real quick. And yet we can't see these Amazon workers getting a decent wage for all of their hard work. And... I feel like they're all saying stuff, and they're like, this isn't okay, this can't be right, and Jeff Bezos is like, moon, space, peace.
1: Okay, so Erica, how, is it possible to maintain a rules-based order just on its own, or will you always have to check other actors for going against it?
0: You will always have to check other actors, I believe, because everyone's definition of what constitutes a rule that is okay and a rule that's not okay changes there's no one country, there's no one person, there will never be one singular person who can decide what is a rule that should be changed or evolved and what should be stayed in order.
1: Yeah, rules have to be collectively agreed upon by society. So
0: it will never be able to just exist on its own. If it were, we would have communism because that's what Marx always said. Like, if everyone just did, you know, the things they wanted to and there were no, like, evil, greedy people who take advantage. There's always going to be people who do the right thing and good things, and there's always going to be people taking advantage of those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so, just human nature.
1: Are we going to see escalations against a rules-based order, or is this more of a one-off occurrence with authoritative regimes?
0: Um, I feel like escalations is a, again, eye of the beholder kind of word. You know, mm-hmm. we... We might see what one country might call an escalation, but is it really going to escalate anything? Is it really going to do anything? Um, And I don't believe this will be more of a one-off occurrence. I, I think it will continue to happen and these authoritative figures are going to Find more creative ways. Like, I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but, like, the Belarusian president, that was low-key kind of genius. In, like, a really bad way. Like, an evil, crazy genius. Horrible,
1: evil genius. Yes,
0: but, like, that was really, like...
1: Genius at the end of the if day. If I was
0: trying to, like, I can't think of a better way to do it. Like, how he... Literally, who, who knows what country they're well, the flying thing over? I mean, he, I'm not looking at my flight plan. He's no really only going.
1: looking at it based off of his tenure in office. So he couldn't care about the rules-based order after his tenure. He's only caring about his tenure in office.
0: Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he'll have a military coup, just like me. So and for him,
1: it was a smart thing to do. But in terms of the rules-based order and going along with it, it's not. And I mean, we can see China going and using the rules-based order to its advantage.
0: Of course.
1: It's coming out here. It's using these rules-based orders. These different international organizations, it's implementing itself into these international organizations, abiding by the rules, going and saying how much it loves the rules, just so it can implement itself and entrench itself further into becoming a large standing member within society because the way to change the different rules within society is to become one of the top dogs up top and that is how you can change it
0: and that's how you can also get corrupted
1: yes so you really have to watch out and it really has to be a you know global policing of the rules-based order and making sure that These rules are constantly evolving and changing to mesh with society, adding some more rules that are, you know, the unspoken norms and taking away some that, you know, don't apply to today's society. And, you know, really just making sure that you're all engaging in a mutually agreed upon rules-based society. But how do you
0: police without using force? Obviously, some of these countries only respond to force.
1: That's the thing, though. You can use a lot of soft power with it, too.
0: I'm not seeing it work on Essentially, Myanmar.
1: Essentially, I mean, so with Myanmar and the Belarusian president, we're not seeing soft power being a working option there. So It didn't
0: work in North Korea either.
1: See, with North Korea, that's the thing. So you really have to be able to gauge which actors are going to be able to, you know, be deterred through uses of soft power and which ones are going to be more deterred through instances of hard power. But at the end of the day, you want both options on the table.
0: I'd like to avoid all hard power, no wars for me. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, well, hard power you. can also talk about cyber attacks, also like non-conventional war.
0: I guess I don't know. We'll just have to see. We'll
1: have to see. It's an interesting concept, and there's definitely a lot more to talk about it with. But I think free Danny
0: have... and Nathan, absolutely and Roman and Brittany.
1: Yes, definitely. Free all of them. <laughs> Free Brittany.
0: Free Britney, guys.
1: Free Brittany. All
0: right. Um, I think that's all we have for today's episode, right?
1: Yes. So for next week, we will see you guys, and we will hope that you will tune in for our Keep It Brief episode.
0: This has been your Hot Girl Briefing. Bye. Bye.